Hello and welcome to Chic, a podcast dedicated to fashion, design, culture, sustainability, media and technology. My name is Kat Sark. I'm the founder of the Canadian Fashion Scholars Network and currently teach at the University of Southern Denmark. I specialize in fashion studies, cultural studies, media studies and gender studies. And I'm the co-author of several books on cities and fashion in the Urban Chic book series published by Intellect Press. In each episode, I sit down with experts and specialists in the fields of fashion and design to discuss the most pressing issues of ethics, sustainability, and innovation, as well as what they consider the cutting edge of research and development. The goal is to bridge academic and non-academic expertise from industry, artists, curators, designers, professionals, and the general public on fashion and design cultures, innovation, sustainability, media, and technology through interviews and panel discussions in order to stimulate an informed public discourse on the future of the most impactful culture industries. For the second episode, I went to Copenhagen and met with Else Skjöl, who is an associate professor of design and sustainability at the design school in Kölling, and who organized an exhibition and presentation of the graduation projects of four design schools in Denmark as part of Copenhagen Fashion Week. The two pop-up exhibitions entitled Fashion Tech and Young Sustainable Talents took place at the Geological Museum in Copenhagen, which this summer also hosts the V&A Fashioned from Nature exhibition. The presentations were hosted by the Lifestyle and Design Cluster, a network that promotes innovation and sustainable growth in small and medium-sized housing and clothing companies, as well as in the creative industries. The event was opened with a discussion panel by the organizers and experts in the fields of fashion, sustainability, and technology. And you will hear an excerpt from this panel in which Else gives a brief overview of the event. The panel was followed by a keynote address by one of the leading scholars on fashion sustainability in the UK, Kate Fletcher, who is a professor of sustainability, design, and fashion at the University of Arts in London. You will hear her talk in which she emphasizes the need for an engagement with and a direct experience of nature in order to ecologize the fashion system, as she puts it. And both Else and Kate were kind enough to take the time to sit down with me after their presentations to talk more about their work. It's uh, because we had the future of fashion, I think, for five years. Well, the school, some of the schools got together and did a fashion show. But this year, we don't have that. We have this exhibition. Why do you think it would have changed? Well, all these four schools that participated actually all decided that the fashion show didn't really work for sustainability projects. This has to do with a lot of things. Uh, I mean, the fashion show is fantastic. It's uh, magic, and we know all. It's like these uh, theaters, and we all know the rules and we can see these fabulous displays going back and forth. But the thing is, if the project is that you do a rental system, or you do modular design, or you maybe integrate milk fiber in a t-shirt, uh, that's very difficult to tell in a fashion show. So we thought we would like to work a bit with the format. Uh, so as you will all see when you go to the exhibition, you can look into all this uh, great stuff that has been done, which is not necessarily about only aesthetics. But it should always, of course, be 
very beautiful, which uh, it is, I'm sure. <laughs> You've worked a lot, many years, in the fashion um, education. Uh, when you have to think about this whole last five years and coming years where we talk about sustainability, from the school's point of view, what is the difficulties about this uh, whole theme area? First of all, I think all four schools have the experience that a lot of the innovation potential for young people, they are very frustrated and some of the most clever ones actually don't want to do fashion because they say, why should we make more clothing? <laughs> uh, but we know that's not the solution. So a way to move forward is to, of course, teach them actual tools that they can, uh, they can apply and then do it in close alliance with the industry. Uh, because there's always this uh, thing that we send out our young talent and uh, if the industry doesn't know what we can actually contribute with, then um, there's often this mismatch. So it's really nice here to show examples of our companies actually learning what the students can do and students getting a reality check to what is actually the barriers out in a medium-sized company. Uh, with overproduction being one of the most discussed issues of the fashion industry and sustainability, how can we, uh, when all this negative press goes out, how can we still persuade our students to come and work in the fashion industry? I think often when we talk about sustainability, it gets to be about something that is really a, a boring and like a downer and it's very complicated and filled with the chemistry and stuff but it's uh, it can be much more tangible and simple and i think the solution is not to downscale good design it's the opposite that the better the design the better we know that people take care of their clothing they love it to pieces uh, and that's what we need to set up to do and maybe make make this listen better so there's a kind of like two schools. There's one school that's saying, oh, stop consumption, don't buy any more fashion, and we know that's not going to happen. And then there's the school that's saying, okay, it's okay with all the consumption, but we just have to make it right. But we are kind of in between here. But I mean, we're also today for design schools, uh, and we can't tell our students uh, the solution is that you should go home. <laughs> uh, so uh, we, we show some examples of what we try to do instead. And I hope everybody will enjoy. And now you will hear Kate Fletcher's keynote address entitled Fashion and Nature, in which she outlines her ideas for a new relationship with nature. Her talk will be followed by a brief interview with me in which we talk about building new platforms for taking action and making sustainability the default in all fashion and design practice. Thank you all. It's such a pleasure to be here and welcome back from your holidays. Um, it is perfect, this venue, uh, to talk about fashion and nature, new relationships, new partnerships, new thinking, and also to consider maybe where we are now. We are, of course, in some febrile times. Um, Climate change is impacting us all. Last year, 2018, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change issued uh, its report, which, which said, in summary, that we've got a decade left to turn things around. Otherwise, there will be 
unprecedented levels of change that will impact all lives, including humans. Of course, at the same time, we are being inundated, and certainly in the UK, the conversation around plastic is everywhere. And of course, this extends to plastic pollution from clothing. Something like 65% of all fibres that are produced are made from polyester, and polyester is probably the chief culprit in producing microfiber pollution from clothing. Probably everybody in this room is wearing some polyester in some shape or form. And certainly the national wardrobe of every country is dominated by it as a fibre. And yet, just by the course of wearing it normally, sloughing off either in the air or in the laundry process, it's entering our water courses. And we are having, once again, a huge effect. In the UK, and I know around the world, Extinction Rebellion is really sharpening focus on the issues of the climate emergency. It's getting us to think about the imperative of radical change, about moving the agenda forward, about actually taking action. Not in a way that damages people's lives, but that liberates us, that brings us closer to maybe what it is to be human and to live well in this earth. And then, of course, we have the wonderful, the indefatigable Greta Thunberg, apologies for my pronunciation. But she, how has she managed to say things that others haven't been able to? I don't know, but we need her. And we need many other people like her because we are, at this moment in time, in the Anthropocene, this new era of geological time where humans are the most influential force on planetary conditions. We are a planet on the edge. We have to begin to be thinking about how we can navigate some sort of safe space for humans to operate. It's been shown that this can happen, but we have to begin to ask questions about how big and what type of lives we're living. It's not all good news, I'm afraid. WWF International, they conducted research that indicates that this delicate balance between biodiversity and humans and life on this planet is in flux. There has been a, a loss of biodiversity within my lifetime since 1970 of nearly 58%. A loss of biodiversity in like sort of half a lifetime of so much. And yet what we are seeing something within our culture where we feel remote, distanced from these effects. We don't see ecological decline firsthand. We're insulated somehow from natural processes. We don't notice the species around us. Perhaps we don't even know what food is seasonal. Our culture is dominated by themes of separation, of disconnect, and then at the same time, we're confused when in the same week, there's a polar vortex in the North America which is taking some temperatures to minus 40 C. And in Australia, there's an unprecedented heat wave. Insect collapse, which is perhaps one of the most worrying aspects of biodiversity change, says that insects are the, the total mass of insects is, is reducing 
by 2.5% each year. And according to the best available data, all insects could vanish within a century. Of course, without insects, there is no food. There are no pollinators. And it's seen that within 100 years after the insects go, after biodiversity declines, humans surely will be no more. Many environmental philosophers have said that Western culture is ecologically destructive primarily because it's human-centered. And such an outlook, such a self-enclosed outlook, is a framework for generating blindness. It fails completely to take account of other than human species, of the everyone else. It fails to acknowledge the dependency of humans on ecological systems, ecological systems that we need for our survival. It represents nature as non-essential and unconsidered backdrop to our lives, our activities. It's just a place where you can get materials. It's a place to dump waste. Anthropocentric culture sees nature in terms of property, entitlement, and superiority. So Western modernism, the thing that gives our social and economic systems of the global north structure, it's led to a situation in which nature is remote, distanced, and unknown. And when disassociation happens, where there is separation from the context, from the natural context in which we live, an action, a thing, a garment is understood completely independent from its surroundings. And when that happens, we are beginning to ignore the consequences of what we're doing. It's only when we know the implications of what we do that we tend to take care when we are less willing to inflict harm. We're in a situation at the moment where humans somehow see themselves as a sphere apart, outside of or above ecology. We trick ourselves with a fancy that it's industry that supports our lives, when in fact it's not. We forget what supports industry. We have assumptions like those in neoclassical economics, assumptions that completely govern the way that business runs, that consider the environment to be, at best, a subset of the economy. Anthropocentric culture rarely sees nature as a place of individual striving. It doesn't see it as doing the best in the, consider in the conditions of its life. It, it promotes an insensitivity to the diversity of nature. We only notice nature in ways that it contributes to human interests, conceived of generally as separate from nature's interests. We don't see biodiversity itself as having any inherent value. It's only valuable for what it enables humans to do. And certainly, wildness is only for something that's not human. I wonder, how can we design in such a way that prioritizes 
relationships. What are some alternative models of caring? How can we design while acknowledging uncertainty and the limits to human knowledge? What we need to do is simple. We need to move away from a world of abstraction towards a world of direct experience. Valid and proper knowledge comes from the context in which things occur. We have to find a way to affect an explosion of fashion. Out, this is not about exploding fashion towards industry, but it's out towards reality of life on this planet as we know it. Earth is the thing that the fashion industry is completely and profoundly dependent on. It's time that we acknowledge, we acknowledge their deep interdependence. Our challenge is to evolve a new approach that looks for association between things, that we hold clothes in the context of the natural systems that enable them where we fold things together, never seeing them as part, always acknowledging responsibility for things, that we see clothes and climate change as interrelated, that we don't imagine the soil without also seeing the effects that we have upon it. The goal of all of this is to give a larger share, a better deal to the non-human world. It's more weight, more attention, more awareness, and then things will begin to change. We need to ecologize the fashion system. Ecology, of course, is the study of relationships between things and their surroundings. And if we try to foster an understanding of fashion relationally, we look at the relationships between garments, industry, wearers, surroundings, and then we move the focus of interest away purely from business and we make it much larger, much less humanised. Why should we do this? To protect us all. One of the ways that we can do this is to adopt a concept of progress that's informed by how we understand the way that nature supports our lives and how we can begin to see ourselves as more limited beings constrained by the ecological needs of the larger biospheric community. Because of course, whilst nature is an enabler of the fashion system, planetary boundaries are of course a limiting factor. They bring a very sharp critique around how much we can support and also actually a governing narrative around how and how much we need to reduce. They bring a story of less. What we need is a new era of design in the era, the age of the Anthropocene, where we look for ways to reinforce our experience of nature as the context for fashion provision and expression. We need to design for active guardianship, thinking together and working and acting together with the natural world. To show humans not sitting outside nature, 
nor above the ecological fate which is overtaking other species. What we have to try to do is to reanimate the world and to remake ourselves at the same time so as to become enriched but constrained members of the world community. So what are the characteristics of this new relationship? They require far greater humility. They necessitate that we privilege direct experience, sensory engagement, a sense of closeness with the real world. Getting outside, speaking to people. This is about us recognizing our influence and taking action. With 10 years left, we can't just sit back. We need to get engaged. We also have to give up the idea that we are in control here because we're not. And we have to progress with humility because we recognize that we're not in control. We have to presume no power. Up to this point, we've tried to hold it all and that has to shift. We also have to promote multiple centers. We can't just talk about humans being the center. We are one center, but there are also multiple others, many other places where we need to give attention and care. But to do that first, we have to scrutinize where we are and then also be prepared to take a risk and change things. This time is short. And I'm here with Professor Kate Fletcher, um, who just gave an amazing talk about um, it being more mindful, engaging with, um, with nature and sustainability in completely new ways. And thank you for taking the time, Kate. Oh, you're welcome. It's a delight. I was wondering um, how we can maybe create better platforms um, for bringing together the next generation of students. So we're both educators and um, this is where my question is coming from because we work with, uh, with young people who are full of energy um, and our job, I, as I see it, is kind of like to empower them and to mobilize them into doing good work. So um, what kind of platforms can we help them build and build ourselves that bring together education, um, the average consumer or um, the average public, general public, but also um, work together with the industry in, in more productive ways? Because right now I see them as completely separate fields or, or camps. What are, what are some of your thoughts on this? So my, my feeling is, is that setting up some sort of new platform is exactly where I, what I've been um, trying to do recently with respect specifically to stuff around fashion and uh, nature, fashion and clothes. Uh, because I think that establishing a different relationship with uh, the natural world is an essential requirement to taking care of it. And then what follows then is uh, perhaps a, an opportunity to avert disaster. So it's mandated that we figure out how to build a closer relationship, a connection with the natural world. And one of the things that I've been doing recently 
uh, when I say recently, it's like six years. It's taken me a while to get it published, but it's to, I've been writing using direct sensory experience about clothes and nature. And what I've discovered is um, oh, that clothes can act like a portal, like almost like a kaleidoscope sometimes, but a way in to the natural world, which suddenly elevates, changes, transforms what it is that you see, what it is that you begin to appreciate and value. And that has been a journey of both massive satisfaction to me and uh, liberation, I think, a huge friendship that I found in the natural world, huge uh, engagement and new priorities as you begin to see that oh, things do shape up differently when you see clothes as a way. Well, I suppose what I mean is that clothes can be a way to do that. They can facilitate new engagement with stuff. So this collection of writing uses an approach uh, which we call life writing. And I think one thing that students could do is, for example, to trial in getting out there, having direct experience, recording, sketching, drawing, engaging with what the real world is, not just flicking through a fashion magazine, not just looking at what, what is on a catwalk, not, not only being obsessed by the industry, but also holding the sense of what the real world is, what clothes are like when they're out in nature and bringing the things together, that's when change will come. Mm -hmm. And so the next step after that, I guess, what, once once you create these types of new dialogues and these types of engagement and these experiences, how how can we then connect in, in more meaningful ways, not just with the consumers who are buying the clothes and experiencing by wearing them, but also the producers, the, the industry? So these are the most difficult questions I perhaps that exist I mean it's a it's a um, a multifaceted and tricky problem I think what I've seen is that when I tell stories or when I read from these stories the energy in the audience completely changes so normally when I'm speaking about fashion and sustainability people are slightly going oh my gosh this is so hard this is difficult heads are in hands metaphorically and actually speaking and yet when I read these stories about clothes and nature people universally smile people's engagement suddenly is in a different space because what they're hearing is is not a lecture but they're hearing direct experience personal stories engagement with with life uh, living clothes woven, fed, folded into such a thing. And then I think the barriers that were up come down and things change. Whether telling industry those stories would facilitate a shift, I don't know. I've yet to do that. But, um, but perhaps it would, because actually we're all people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think we see that on the on the consumer side that people do want to make smart choices, and there's there's a lot of different um, campaigns and movements that educate um, everyday consumers and um, who are already open to the to having this kind of conversation. And I do think that the next um, 
the, the next step would be sitting down and having more productive conversations with the producers as well. So I agree with you. I think that that's essential. But we also need to move away from seeing um, this system that we are that we are working within as something that's about uh, making stuff and also then using it up mm-hmm. and beginning to diversify our sets of experiences and almost uh, validate a broader set of experiences with clothes rather than just as some sort of vehicle for self-expression or status Mm -hmm. provision or other things because when they're only held narrowly as about self-expression status provision what it does is it it dulls our senses of what they can be in other spaces so perhaps it's incumbent on all of us to begin to populate a greater variety of alternatives that's great thank you so much for your time no pleasure to speak to you and you too and enjoy your time in copenhagen thank you thank you so I'm here with uh, Else Skjot, who organized the event today at the Geological Museum in Copenhagen. And uh, we've seen uh, Kate Fletcher talk, and there's the Fashion from Nature exhibition that was started at the V&A and came to Copenhagen and is now open to the public. So can you welcome and thank you for, uh, for organizing this. Can you please tell us a bit more about the idea behind this, this event, this um, this exhibition and and this talk today? Uh, So in Denmark we have an organization called Lifestyle and Design Cluster which is basically an umbrella organization that uh, joins together schools, education, research and uh, industry. Um, So my role here is that I'm a coordinator of the four schools in Denmark via University College, um, Copenhagen Business Academy, the Royal Danish School of Design and Arts and uh, Design School Calling. And normally what we do at the Fashion Week is like most other schools, we, we do a fashion show together. Uh, because working together saves both uh, money and uh, time. Of course. <laughs> uh, but uh, recently we experienced that a lot of these uh, sustainability projects, they don't uh, present themselves so very well at a fashion show because uh, they are more about maybe services or systems like uh, rental systems or repair systems or they have to do with uh, material innovation uh, which is uh, not easy to tell on the, these few seconds that they pass by on a catwalk show. Uh, so actually it was uh, all of the four schools went together and said we need a new format. And so, by incident, this uh, wonderful exhibition, Fashion from Nature, came here from the V&A. And uh, I had a lot of dialogue with the museum, uh, because they know they are natural history museums, so they know a lot about stones mm-hmm. <laughs> and nature, but they don't know anything about fashion. Mm-hmm. So they, they asked me, like, who should we talk to? We would like to do a lot of uh, events, draw some attention to the topic of mm-hmm. uh, fashion and sustainability, to to of course promote the exhibition and and open up this whole conversation um, conversation. Uh, and relation to that uh, I asked them could we maybe please do a pop-up exhibition with the schools at the fashion week because we can attract another type of audience that maybe 
never came to the museum and uh, and it would fit really well with some of our sustainability projects we have for example um, we have more new materials made from uh, palm oil or oranges or milk <laughs> but we also have of course these more uh, systems-based projects that are maybe about rental or uh, resale or whatnot which uh, which is basically about um, saving resources and so I think it's very uh, appropriate that at a natural history museum we, we talk about how we can actually protect nature and, and as Kate Fletcher said maybe start using fashion as a, a portal uh, for, for this debate uh, just like food fashion is something we wear it all of us all the time so it's, it's so tangible and so close to our everyday and our bodies mm -hmm. and our sensory experience so so it's actually a wonderful medium to to talk about this more overall discussion about what is it to be a human and how can we uh, stay here on the planet yeah, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. live sustainably yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whatever that is mm -hmm. and this is of course the the hard one to to answer but but uh, the, the short answer is to live sustainable is to uh, be able to live here still mm -hmm. <laughs> because we are we have endangered ourselves mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so uh, <coughs> these types of events um, help not just um, not just the general public not just the students um, not just kind of like the educational elite but uh, have this have, have this larger conversation mm -hmm. what do you think um, can be done and what kind of platforms can we build to keep this dialogue going and to get more people on board to get to create more collaborations mm -hmm. I think um one of the things we try in the exhibitions and in the school in general is that uh, we find it really, really important to work together with industry because it's uh, it's the easiest thing in the world to just to point your fingers and say that they are doing harm, but we are all part of this mess. <coughs> so, so we stand with the young design talents and we need to prepare them to find solutions, basically. Uh, so I think collaboration is perhaps the, the most important thing that we all share the experience and the knowledge we have, whether that might be research knowledge or uh, knowledge about how to drive a company or knowledge about how it is to wear clothing. Mm -hmm. And take care of it. And, and take care yeah. of it mm -hmm. and, and, and be skilled at finding stuff that you you like and you uh, love it to pieces instead mm -hmm. of uh, buying crap mm -hmm. exactly <laughs> yeah well thank you so much for all your hard work and i look forward thank to you. working with you more thank you so at the end of each episode i'd like to end with a few takeaways for listeners that sum up the main themes and points presented in the conversations as Kate Fletcher mentioned, we have reached a critical point in our life on this planet and have about a decade to turn things around before the current level of damage to our environment will turn to catastrophic levels. Our responsibilities then, now more than ever, as she claims, to redefine our relationship to nature and the environment. And fashion is one of the 
primary field in which to address this change through active engagement, direct experience, greater humility and responsibility. Else Skjöl, who has been educating many generations of fashion designers on sustainability, is also witnessing a shift in how the new generation of designers approaches fashion and how they want to engage with fashion and design. She calls for more clarification on what we all mean by sustainability and for closer collaboration between the schools and the industry. So, to sum up, Sustainability is no longer just a branch of fashion and design education and innovation, it is now the default. But the industry has not yet caught up to this reality and needs to really follow suit instead of greenwashing their brands with eco-collections and temporary solutions. As the countdown has begun on the limited time we have to reverse the damage to the planet, we all need to shift our attention and resources to work together, collaborate, employ young innovators to make smart changes to how we produce, consume and discard fashion design and technology products. That's it for the second episode of Chic Podcast. I'd like to thank Elsa Skjör and Kate Fletcher for their time and their important work. The music you hear is the second half of Chopin's Prelude in A Major, performed by Matteo Tanzi. Thank you for listening. Please share the link to this episode on your social media channels. And until next time.